What's up, Coach? Chris, welcome to Step to the Podcast. Yeah, we got a good one today. You don't say. <laughs> well, I um, one thing I'm noticing about this podcast, I'm really glad we're recording tonight on Monday night. Uh, we're gonna try and uh, gonna try and take the family tomorrow night to the Mega Caverns to see the lights lights under Louisville or whatever it's called. Uh, okay, that's like a drive through, like. Yeah. Show, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. and ru- I think I saw traffic for that a few weeks back. Well, right. And rumor has it that if you go on Tuesdays, uh, you don't, odds are you're not going to sit in traffic. And I've gotten to a point where I can't stand sitting in traffic. Uh, I, you know, if I'm going through a drive through, if I'm looking for something to eat and there's a drive through with like more than two cars in it, I just like, you know what? I'll starve. I mean, I've, <laughs> I've become that impatient. And it's probably good for me. Uh, uh, at least, you know, the not sitting in the drive-thru line. Um, so I'm glad we're recording tonight. So I appreciate you being flexible. Um, oh, sure. Yeah. No problem. I had nothing else going on. So, yeah, yeah. So, but I just, it's amazing how I, I really wish, you know, one of these days we could find a way to do these in the morning because, uh, I am after putting Luke to bed. And I, I'm, I'm, I need other dads to back me up on this. Why are we so tired after after doing night night after putting our children to bed, especially a toddler? Why are we so tired afterward? Um, it, it, it uh, I just, I, you know, I'm good and ready to go. Before I put Luke to bed, I'm always like, yeah, I'm gonna stay up and I'm gonna make another lesson plan. I'm gonna grade some papers. I'm gonna uh, do this or that, and. Um, then when I'm done, I'm like, I'm going to bed. <laughs> I don't know why I get that tired. So it's definitely something I'm hoping that other dads are listening to this and shaking their head in agreement. Yeah, it could be you're just old. I, mean, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I hope that's not what it is. You know, 30, 36, <laughs> listen, 36 isn't old. Um, and really, truly, really, it's an added, old age is an attitude. Um, I'm hoping to be. Uh, I'm not saying I'll look young when I'm 50, but I'm hoping to be as active now, uh, or as active when I'm 50 as I am now. So, but that's a long way. That's a long way off. I know it'll be like next week, but, um, (laughs) it's a long way off. So you'll get there one of these days too. You'll understand. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So all in due time. I agree. I agree. So, uh, why don't you, uh, why don't you start us off? You want to you want to talk uh, reminisce a little bit. I don't hope we don't, you know, bring a downer on the show. But uh, Chris, you want to reminisce a little bit about Sandy Hook? Yeah, I mean, I feel like we needed to address it in some way. Just sure, just it's an awful tragedy. I'm just thinking back eight years. I for whatever reason, I just I remember that day uh, vividly. I guess because it was just so tragic. Um, mm-hmm. It's probably the first thing in my lifetime that's been so horrific in the world obviously you know i wasn't born for 9-11 uh, yep. two weeks after that mm-hmm. i just remember i was coming home from school i was in the fifth grade at the time uh simple elementary which is in the mm-hmm. south in yep. Street. Uh, yep home from school and this was back when my mother was still alive i came home and she had the tv on she was in the bedroom she was battling cancer and right uh, at that point sick so yeah uh, just two months later she ended up passing away but anyways i came home and she had the tv on i was like oh, what's going on in the news and she had the coverage and i saw it you know as well as breaking news things that flashes across and i read right. it just i couldn't believe what we were watching it was just awful 
mm-hmm. just awful. It's just, I don't know. I uh, so would you say that's like your, yeah. So yeah. No, I was just gonna say, so would you say that's like your first, you remember where you were at and what you were doing events? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Something so, you know, tragic in the world. Okay. So, but no, our, our thoughts go out to all the families and anyone else that was impacted by this. So. Uh, I remember that day very well. It could very well be my worst day ever as an educator. And I've never even been to Connecticut. Um, <laughs> uh, I just, uh, you know, here's the thing about it, Chris. Um, I'd have to look and see what, what time of the, I know it was in, De- obviously it was in December. Um, I'm thinking you might be right. It might've been the day uh, we got out on uh, for Christmas break. Yeah. I was, but I was I, thinking because I remember back yeah. in the day, they used to let us off a little bit earlier compared to now. I could be wrong about, um, I could be wrong about that. Um, it'd be, I'd have to go back and look. Um, I was not in school that day. I was, uh, I had a sub that day. Um, and for anybody that's a teacher as well, that's listening to this, um, you know, we, when we're not at school, um, uh, when we're not at school, I had taken a, I'll, I'll come clean. I took a personal day because that Thursday night, um, I drove down to Nashville to go see Aerosmith with one of my best friends that I grew up with. And that's just something we've always done together. When Aerosmith's playing anywhere in the area, we, we, we drop what we're doing and we go. And, um, you know, that's just what we've always done. So that was the Thursday on Friday. I decided I was going to hang around. He lives in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, and, um, he runs an auctioneering business. So I was, uh, on, on Friday, I decided I was going to stick around when any reason I wasn't, uh, by that point I'd met my wife, uh, but we were only dating for a couple months at that point. And, um, I decided I'd stick around in Murfreesboro and help him out and picking up signs and, all that stuff. We got back to his house and I saw something on Twitter about, you know, Sandy Hook and, you know, we turned on the TV and it was just, it's just awful news coverage. And Chris, the reason I say it was, uh, I had such a, this wave of guilt come over me that I wasn't, and nothing was wrong at Fairdale that day. Nothing had happened. <laughs> it was, everything was okay. And, um, but I, I felt guilty. I felt like I, right then and there, I, I needed to be there for my students. Um, you know, you've heard me say that, it's sometimes I've had, um, and we use this term loosely. Um, um, I, I look at it as almost like a soldier's mentality. I need to report for duty. And right then and there, when I saw everything on the news, it's like, I got to get back to school. You know, they need me. I don't know why they need me, but they need me, you know, and I'm, I'm hoping any teachers that are listening to this, uh, are shaking their head in agreement. <laughs> um, uh, that's the feeling I had, and it was a horrible, horrible feeling. I mean, and what com- Chris, what comes with that, especially if you're a teacher, and if you have a family, um, you know, I, I uh, well, any part of your family. I mean, every just about every time something like that happens, uh, a school shooting. Um, my mom, you know, when we're talking about it, you know, it, it's 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 almost automatic. She's going to ask me, okay, I need you to promise me that you're not going to be one of those teachers. And I have to tell her, and I've had to tell my wife this. In fact, when this, when Sandy Hook happened, I, 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 I told Brittany, um, cause we were only a couple months in, in, into our, into our relationship at that point. And, um, so we were still getting to know each other. And, 
I, I broke it to her. I told her, I said, look, if anything like that ever happens at, at the school I teach at, um, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sit and hide and, uh, I'm going to protect my kids for sure. And, um, so you can imagine what kind of response that got from her. And, and when my mom calls and asks, tell, says, it makes me promise that I'm not going to be one of those teachers. I can't promise her that. Um, and once again, I'm sure there are teachers listening to this, nodding their heads in agreement. So, um, you know, when you're a teacher and if you're a teacher and a coach, you have a certain, there's a certain, there's a certain leadership that's expected of, or should be expected of you um, in your school building. And, um, people look, you know, kids look to you for safety. Um, and I've always had that mentality. If, you know, somebody came into my classroom looking for trouble, <laughs> they were going to find it from me and, uh, whatever that included that whatever would happen after that would happen. So hopefully Lord willing, nothing like that will ever happen. Um, Sandy hook was awful. I think that weekend, Chris, I, fi- I came home from Nashville, right? I got back and, um, uh, I just was down and out. I wasn't, uh, I was very, very sad. And uh, a lot of, and I can speak for a lot of other teachers that I knew, they were very sad too. They were just down. And um, uh, that Saturday night, uh, my future wife <laughs> was uh, going out with some friends and she wanted me to come along. And, you know, normally, Chris, you didn't have to, you wouldn't be, normally, the question wouldn't even be all the way out of her mouth yet. And I'd be getting, getting dressed, ready to go, you know? And that night I told her, I said, I can't do it. I just, I, I got to stay home. And interestingly enough, uh, I turned on Netflix and I had never seen the movie Red Dawn. Have you seen Red Dawn? No, I haven't. Uh, it's an old, I, there's, there's, been, there's an original and a remake. I decided I was going to watch the original, which was really stupid. Because uh, the original's got like Patrick Swayze in it, and, and these it's these high school kids, I think in Iowa or some state, that are uh, fighting off a Russian invasion, and uh, and the kid, all the high school kids, magically know how to use uh, like Uzis and all these big heavy machinery guns, you know, and um, but one of the opening scenes is the Russians invading and shooting up this school, hmm. and I was like, I can't watch this, no. <laughs> so. Uh, I turned that off, and I think I just pretty much yeah. I either watched the uh, I either watched a few episodes of The Office and went to bed, or just went straight to bed. But what a horrible, horrible weekend! Um, it put th- puts things in perspective. And up, if you're an educator of any kind, I mean, I'm talking even like if you work in the building as a security guard, if you work in the building as uh, the ISAP teacher, you feel a certain obligation to your kids and to your school, you know, and. Um, I wasn't there that day, and I felt really, really horrible, um, I, and I was really eager. I, I was like, I got to get back. You know, they need me. Don't know why they need me, but they need me. Definitely. Uh, you, you mentioned The Office. You know they're taking that off Netflix in 2021, right? I know. They're, they're putting Seinfeld on there, though, so that, that's a good trade off, I think. I guess. I've got it on Hulu. I guess. Is it moving over from Hulu? I yeah, guess. which I'm excited about that. Well, yeah, me too. So I'm a big Seinfeld fan. Definitely, yeah. So, sure. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, let's uh, let's get upbeat again. Warm us up. Uh, what are we talking about now? You got uh, you got something on here about Goldberg oh. versus Roman Reigns. Yes, I had to address this, and it it makes my blood boil. <laughs> I just I cannot stand Bill Goldberg, and I, 
don't see why in the hell Vince McMahon would want to book this match. I guess because it's supposed to happen this year. But here's my take on Goldberg. He's done nothing for the business. He can't work longer than two minutes. He's selfish. He's self-centered. And I'm, I just I, I can't stand them, and I don't see what Roman's going to gain out of this uh, unless he beats them in 30 seconds. Ask ask anybody that wrestled in WCW in the late 90s if Goldberg ever did anything for the business. Oh, and man. there were a lot of guys. Check it out. There were Goldberg became a huge draw. This was before you were born, so I'm okay with you not under not uh, realizing his impact. Now I don't have any desire to see Goldberg. I wasn't a WCW guy, right? But at the same time, Goldberg, uh, you know, he was undefeated for a long time. And Chris, he could have gone another two. If WCW hadn't, you know, booked done some atrocious booking, oh. he could have he could have gone another two years being undefeated. And yeah, but what was so memorable about that undefeated run? It was just two minute matches, and he lost by a finger poke. Uh, okay, no, he didn't lose by a finger poke. He got tased by Scott Hall. <laughs> oh, I thought it was a, the finger poke of doom. Or... Oh no, no, no! I watched. No, that was uh, Hulk Hogan, and uh, I can't remember. No, I can't remember. Uh, Kevin Nash had something to do he with that. He also ended Bret Hart's he... career. That's true. Yeah, he well, I mean that, that it's bound Surely, to happen when you're in, the, honestly, in that business. Honestly, I don't think he's done anything good. Just based off what I've seen of his WWE run and a few of his WCW things, but you got to have the context, man. Crowds went wild. Goldberg was a draw. I don't see you it. Know? And hey, listen, when it comes down to when you're in a company with Sting and Hulk Hogan, guys that have drawn Ric Flair, and people are coming to see you squash somebody. Right, I mean, it's just every week it got bigger and bigger. He could have gone another two years without losing, and yes, I know it's predetermined, okay. But he, they could have booked him another two years to go undefeated, and the money just would have kept getting bigger and bigger. WCW shot themselves in the foot with that. Yeah, well, so, you get David Arquette as world champion, you're not too shocking. So, uh, well, hey, yeah, this is why I wasn't a WCW guy. Yeah, I mean, I like the wrestling part of it before they hired until they got Vince Russo in there, but I don't know. I, I never, I never, I wasn't, I wasn't picking up the remote and flipping the channel. Wasn't happening. <laughs> yeah. So, oh. wasn't happening. I wasn't, I wasn't going from channel 33. Here in Louisville, it's amazing how you can remember channels, right? right. Uh, USA, I believe, was on 33 at that time. Yeah, it still and is on you, uh, Okay, there you go. And I'm pretty sure TNT's on 43. I, I believe so. I have DirecTV now, but I used to have Spectrum. It's uh, 245. I need, I, need, I need one of our 20 loyal listeners to, to uh, research that for me <laughs> right now you know, and tweet it at me and Chris. But uh, So I never went from channel 33 to 43. Wasn't happening. So was not happening at all. So I was a degenerate through and through. <laughs> so, awesome. Yep. Yes, it was. <laughs> yes, it was. So, all right. Well, let's get down to it, man. What are we talking about tonight, Chris? Yeah, this one's gonna. We might get a few eye rolls from this one here. Uh, club versus high school, which I I know we've been wanting to do this since the spring, and we're finally getting around to it. So, uh, I'm glad we are. Let, let's just you know, let's kind of start from 2020, and then we'll go work our way, you know, back sure. down to your opinions. Uh, so I mean, basically, you know, what made you decide to do club soccer after 
I don't know, 15 plus years in high school. And, you know, who, who introduced you to that and how did you get involved with Mockingbird and all that good stuff? Well, honestly, Chris, it was, um, I mean, I guess I, we probably need to put a disclaimer out there. I'm going to say some stuff tonight that, uh, you know, that might make some high school coaches mad, might, uh, make some club coaches mad. Uh, I would encourage both, uh, instead of getting mad, I would encourage, uh, coaches on both sides to look in the mirror and reflect a little bit and, uh, see if there's any part of what I'm saying that has a kernel of truth to it. Um, you know, I've been on both sides of the fence now. Um, obviously I'm not very long into my club tenure, um, but I've learned a lot already. Um, and I'm going to keep learning more. Um, but so I, I just, I, I I want everybody to listen to this with an open mind. Um, I'm trying to be as objective as I can be in my opinions. Um, I feel like I've been doing it long enough to where I can be objective, at least on the high school side. Um, because Lord knows I griped about both sides when I was a high school coach, high school coaches and club coaches. But to answer your question, Chris, um, it wasn't so much a slight towards high school soccer as I needed a better coaching situation for my family at this point in time. And that turned out to be club soccer. I mean, it came down to it. I told my wife, I was like, well, if I'm going to give up high school, I got to do something with soccer. And I think it's time to give club a try. And um, I needed—I just needed a less is more type situation so that my coaching life and family life could coexist, because it just—that just wasn't happening coaching at Fairdale anymore, and it wouldn't have been—it wouldn't have been that way at any school. Um, I, I think any current or former high school coach listening to this right now is once again nodding in agreement. Um, uh, so go ahead and nod for me, folks. Right there, you've—you've you've had those—you've had those nights. You come home eleven o'clock off the school bus come in your wife's not happy with you being uh being late for the third night in a row yes sir you're nodding um uh, but also I, I needed to be in a soccer specific setting i just i wasn't just a teacher that was asked to coach the soccer team i wasn't the stereotypical coach with the whistle around my neck and a clipboard in hand if i ever were that guy chris i think i would have those items would have been thrown 20 minutes into the game um, I just needed to be in an environment where there were people as passionate, maybe even more so, about soccer as I am. Um, that's tough to accomplish in a school with multiple other sports and usually just a primary focus on both of them. Um, being in a soccer-specific setting like, a, you know, like Mockingbird has, offered, has given me that. And it's, so far, I think we're only scratching the surface on what can be accomplished there. Okay, so I saw whistle and clipboard wouldn't make a good book cover, right? <laughs> Absolutely not. Do not ever, do not ever, ever anybody give me, uh, I mean, I, I tell you what, uh, I, I tell you what, one of these days when I'm a rich, famous uh, soccer coach and, uh, you know, well-renowned author and world-renowned author and everything, you want me to autograph something, bring in a broken clipboard and I'll autograph that sucker for you. <laughs> You know, so it just said out time at 20 minutes, 20 minutes into the game. <laughs> okay. so. uh, let's, you know, touch a little bit into why Mockingbird and just get, you know, talk about how you were introduced to that, that club in particular. It, they ended up being a great fit. I mean, uh, it was the fit that, I, you know, it, it's working out great. Um, I came forward to them probably about close to this time last year. I think it was over Christmas break, actually. 
because I wanted to see what kind of coaching opportunities they had because I knew I was out at Fairdale at the end of the school year. And um, and they had me coach a U13 rec team in their indoor league. And I think they liked what they saw. Um, I think sometimes in soccer we get caught up in pedigree and not so much actual leadership or results with our coaches. And to be fair, that's what happens in high school too. Um, so, But we won't go down that rabbit hole just yet. Um, Mockingbird recognized what I had to offer and got me on one of their club teams pretty quick. Um, you know, and I just love when game recognizes game. Uh, but as a club, uh, but as a club, Mockingbird offers an inclusive environment. They're not afraid to put their teams in position to be challenged. Um, so I think additionally, we shared a lot of the same philosophies in terms of developing players and teams. So, and I'm very happy there right now. It's, it's a fantastic place to coach. I, re- I really, uh, I can't say enough about it. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of figured something was up last year when you were doing that indoor league. I just, I remember some rumblings going around that, you know, that you were done with high school. I guess, uh, this time yeah. last year, who told you I, that? I think you posted it or something. I saw it on uh, Twitter or something. You posted it. And I kind of thought you were uh-huh. probably done with high school. Hey, listen, high school, high school can, can, you know, we have a hard time keeping coaches in high school. Um, and I, hey, I'm gonna make it clear. I'm not done with high school. There one of these days, there's going to be an opportunity that I see and I say, that's it. That fits me now. I'm going for it. Cause there's still uh, accomplishments I want to, I want to have in high, on the high school level. Uh, I mean, Hey, you're talking to a guy that's never won a regional championship. I've gotten close, but I haven't been able to pull it off yet. And I want to get over that hump. So, yes, yeah, so yes, folks, you are listening to a guy that has merely won district championships and not won a regional title. Um, that's going to happen. I'm going to reach that goal. And then after that, we're going to go for a state championship. Um, I'm going to – I'm not done with high school. Uh, but for the foreseeable future, I am really, really happy at Mockingbird right now. So All right. Let's get into some more uh, juicier stuff here. Um uh, you know, obviously, there's a, a big divide with, you know, club at the club level and the high school level. Um, you know, there's always coaches that want to make comparisons and, and whatnot. Just kind of, you know, touch a little bit on that. Just the general divide and comparisons we see. Okay. I think there's some, as with any divide, Chris, I think there's some misconceptions. I think that there's some uh, misunderstandings uh, between the high school and the club side. Um, you know, I, again, I'll bring up again, clipboard and whistle guy. You know, everybody. I think there's a stigma out there that your average high school coach, you know, is the PE teacher or some. I guess here in Kentucky, the social studies teacher, and um, and that they, you know, aren't the they can only offer their players so much. They, you know, they, and I just, you know, I, I just, I probably need to stick to the script and and focus on what I wrote down before I say something stupid. Um, okay, so the the divide is honestly why I refuse to think about coaching club for so long. Chris, I was uh, when I was down at Warren East, right? Um, club, one of the, and I I haven't sensed this at Mockingbird, but I've sensed it with other clubs. And that's one. Well, that's one reason I'm at, I'm at Mockingbird. I sense this with other clubs is that coaches or those clubs can be very territorial. 
Um, I hated the politics that went with them. So when I was down at Warren East, Chris, um, it really, really, I took it personally when I wasn't notified by the local club down there, Sky, about any tryouts. You know, I, I, I you know, I feel like if you're gonna, if you're gonna uh, offer soccer, you, it's got to be an inclusive environment. Right. And at that time, and I'm sure things have changed. It's been a long time since I've been gone from down there. But at that time, I didn't feel like the club setting was an inclusive environment. Um, my kids at Warren East got left out a lot. They were never notified. They never knew when anything was going on with the local club scene. There were, they never were notified. I was never notified about when any tryouts took place. You know, To me, if it's soccer, you know, if you are a true soccer ambassador, if you're a true soccer a leader in the soccer community, you support it anywhere it's being taught. In my opinion, Mockingbird does this, right? So, we're, Chris, we're doing a, a car wash. This was in summer of 2000, spring or summer of 2005 or six. We're doing a car wash on Scottsville Road and Bowling Green, right? And um, it's obvious we're busting our butts trying to raise money for our program at Warren East. And a coach from one of the, I think it was the Bowling Green coach at the time, I could be wrong. No, I don't think it was. Anyway, somebody that's not in that position anymore, they drove through the restaurant (laughs) uh, that we were at, and um, they drove through the restaurant we were at um, to, I guess, get something to eat. And Chris, they didn't stop. Uh, You know, they didn't say, hey, looks great, man. I love what you're doing. There was no dropping $5 in the bucket. Again, I mean, Chris, I was at Fairdale for six years, you know, for as long as I was at Fairdale, right? If I'd been driving around and I and I saw that DOS high, the DOS soccer team, Iroquois soccer team, if I saw they were out busting butt, um, washing cars or something like that to raise money for their program, I don't even know if I would have needed a car wash. I would have stopped and thrown a couple bucks yeah. at them, you know, because it's you've got to if you're gonna do soccer, you've got to support it through and through. And I just felt like, I just felt like, well, I, I felt like that was, well, that's Warren East. We can't support them. And I just thought that was, I thought, I thought that was trash. I thought it was trashy. Uh, I really did feel that way. Um, so, uh, and did it bother me that nobody ever asked me to uh, coach one of their club teams at Sky? And I took that personally. <laughs> so, um, you know, again, I noticed these things, guys. You know, so, so, I mean, forgive me for, you know, maybe being touchy or something like that, but I noticed these things. It's like, okay. And again, it, we've talked about this ad nauseum, so I'm not going to go into it any further as far as, you know, the things that I took personally. But so, but there are guilty parties on both sides of the equation, Chris. I mean, there are high school coaches that look down on other high school coaches. Um, there are, uh, we've seen high school coaches refuse to acknowledge something that a club coach might know, you know, out of, you know, stubbornness out of, you know, you know, don't be old man, you know, don't be get off my lawn guy. Right. Um, one of the, um, one of the challenges that we faced at North Oldham when I was there, and this was back in 2007. Right. Um, our coach at the time, and he and I'm a loyal friend to this guy, 
So I'll, to this day, I still have his back. I mean, I love the guy. Allen was fantastic. Um, but one of the challenges that he and I faced coaching was that a lot of the kids had more loyalty to their club coaches. Now, Chris, I didn't expect those kids to have any loyalty towards me. I was the new guy and everything. So, you know, I wasn't going to try and compete with their club coach. But Allen, uh, one of the – I don't know if it was a mistake, um, but he would um, – but he would uh, he basically play chicken with the club coaches, meaning he's going to do things his way. He's not going to listen to the kids or parents say um, what position they play with their club team. And, hey, listen, you can't be pigeonholed into one position, guys. You know, just because you play uh, just because you play some great center mid center defensive mid uh, for your club team does not mean you're a great uh, does not mean you can't play a good fullback for your high school team. You know what I'm saying? Um, it's a different, there are different contextual factors at play. So I think that's one thing that kept us from being as successful as we, as we should have been was that, you know, we just had kids that didn't believe in the spots that Allen would put them in simply because they didn't play for their club. They, they didn't play that spot for their club team. And I think that's wrong. I think it's stupid. Uh, what are you going to do when, Hey, if you play striker all the time for your club team and then you get recruited to go to college and the college coach says, Hey, we need an outside right mid. Are you gonna are you gonna balk at that too? You gonna transfer? You gonna quit? You see what I'm right. saying? So, um, so I think we've had we've had high schools that think they're done learning and they don't have to communicate with club coaches, and we have club coaches in America that look down their noses at high school coaches. Um, I've been one of the high school coaches that openly griped about a club coach in July when a shared player still wouldn't use their left foot or couldn't play uh, or couldn't play a ball 10 feet. Um, uh, I've also met club coaches of players that I had looked down, uh, that looked down their noses at me. I know one, I know a few years ago, Chris, it was on a senior night and one of my players brought their club coach to walk out with them. Right. And I walked up and get, and to shake the guy's hand and everything. Wouldn't say a word to me. Mm -hmm. And it was like, I felt like a leper, you know? And, um, I felt like, and this was a coach I hadn't said bad things about at all. I didn't know he existed, you know. Um, but I felt like a, he looked at me like I was a leper. Um, so I felt, um, you know, I was just like, okay, well, that's how it's going to be. Um, so no, I just feel like um, in all, there's been a lot of undermining going on. Um, both sides accuse the other of only offering this or that. And my thoughts, you know, again, the 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 gripe about high school is that it can only offer this, right? Players, the the stereotype, the stigma, the narrative is that, you know, players aren't being developed on the high school side. And of course, on the club side, the the narrative is that winning, you know, and we see this more this more prevalent in AAU basketball, um, which club soccer and uh, well, AAU has such a stigma, and basketball has such a stigma. So I'm not going to throw club soccer no, in that direction, no. <laughs> but, but, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, there's a narrative on the club side that winning, winning isn't, uh, isn't, isn't, uh, isn't important. It's just development, which I call BS on both. Why can't we do both? You know what I'm saying? Um, why can't we, why can't we all do both? So, you know, every now and then you'll see uh, you'll be going down Twitter and everything, and you'll see different coaches talking about you know the differences between club and high school, 
And you'll see some club coaches say, well, you know, winning is the only thing that is trying, they're trying to accomplish in high school. You know, you can't develop players. And then on the flip side, it's the opposite in club. Again, here's the thing that people need to remember. Chris, we've still got kids in this city that don't have that opportunity to play club, whether it's because they, um, you know, they can't get the platform, they can't get a consistent ride to practice, whatever it is. Yeah, and that, and they most don't. kids, the, the, the club team is, you know, 20 minutes away from their house. That's another problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and they're, you know, and neither side, the club, the high school coaches aren't reaching out to the club saying, hey, do y'all want to come out and take a look? That's If I could go back to Fairdale, knowing what I know now, um, if I could go back two years ago to Fairdale, I would have invited a club coach to come out and, hell, run a session, you know, come out and take a look at these kids and see if there's any talent out here. Right. Um, so one of these days, you know, when or if I ever go – when I go back to high school, whenever that day comes, years down the road probably. Um, but that will be one of the things I do. I'm going to find somebody in uh, back at the club that is better than me. And I'm gonna have him come out, run a session, and then take a look. Say, hey, you got there's there any talent out? Kind of like what Mario Sanchez um, did a few years back. When he, yeah, that's exactly that that's exactly what Mario was doing. Yeah, that's exactly what Mario was doing. And now it's now we've seen the the fruits of that labor coming through now with the, their their development academy, um, if they're even calling it that. Um, but um, I get it. I understand why. We need more of that to take place. Uh, we got to have more of that take place. So. Um, I just don't understand why we can't do both because we've got, again, you got kids that aren't getting the full experience aren't, aren't getting to play clubs. So I think the onus and we've got, and I get offended when I see those kind of tweets, when I see those kind of narratives out there that high school coaches don't know anything. Uh, they're, you know, coming out with a whistle and a clipboard, blah, 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 blah. It's bogus. It's BS. I'm going to cuss here in a minute. So I need to slow down for a minute. Me and so many other coaches, Bust some serious ass getting these no hey no hey getting kids to practice because they don't have a ride, getting them there so they can develop so they can have time to develop their technique, right, and then oh by the way, let's try and win some games, and you know what I've got kids chris chris I've got kids that um I had a kid my last year at Fairdale that came to me and said. Coach, I don't think I'm coming to pra- be going to be at practice tomorrow. Um, my family's getting evicted oh from gosh. their home. I said, "Okay, well, is there anything I can do to help?" Is what do you need, man? And uh, he said, um, "You know." And this kid, this kid grew by leaps and bounds as a player that summer. All while he knew his living situation was not stable. How many kids could actually do that and pull that yeah, off? I made that hell. You see what I'm saying? Right. So I don't want to hear that both can't be done. We will try it. You know, we will. And my teams always did, and they pulled it off. That boy was back at practice on Monday. This was on a Friday, or this was on a Thursday. He missed Friday. Comes back to practice Monday. I asked him, how's things going? You get everything taken care of? He said, yeah. He said, coach, it just, you know, he was like, he said, uh, let's go win a championship. <laughs> you know, that's the only, I mean, he just kind of shrugged his shoulders. Like, this is the only thing that's, that's going to make things better. Let's go win a championship. 
So absolutely, you can. I mean, and this boy had developed his touch. He developed his speed dribbling. He had developed as a defender, a communicator. You cannot tell me that development and winning can't take place at the same time. You know, and it just it, again, why can't we do both? Uh, on the club side, uh, develop. Uh, the name of the game is to develop players. That's what's been advertised, Chris. Right? That's what's being advertised. Every club where we develop our talent, you know, that we, you know, blah 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 blah. This is, but Chris, at the end of the day, if I go to my club parents right now, which are fantastic, if I, if I knew I was going to have a great a, a group as great as this one I have right now, Chris, my my players and my parents. I, I I can't guarantee I would have gone back to Fairdale in 2018. Wow, you know, I mean they're that they're that fantastic, they are that great. But and that's no slight to my my kids at Fairdale. I'm very glad for that experience. Um, if but Chris, if I go to them and we lose five or six straight games in a row, two to one, right? That experience that I talk about, that development that I talk about. That's only going to hold water for so long, am I correct? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, if another club can say, hey, your kid's going to develop. I mean, again, again, the coaches that offer both, to me, are the best coaches to play for. Okay? And I'm not saying, I'm not saying that, uh, you know, uh, that I'm, I'm, the, uh, I'm the only one worth playing. I'm not, so I'm not what I'm saying. But, again... Families are going to say, well, we're tired. Of, my kid's tired of losing <laughs> two to one games, you know? So obviously there's not much develop. There's something lagging in the development there. Yeah, you definitely. Say? You know, and just, like, like you said, there needs to be a way that both sides can work together. And I think that's the biggest issue, communication. There's no communication. If there is, it's just hatred. There needs to be- yeah. And, and that, yeah. And that's one of the things I want to, I want to maintain good relationships, you know, in the interest of Mockingbird, I want to maintain good relationships with our coaches, you know, with our high school coaches in the city, you know, that the ones that I know and, you know, Hey, if they've got kids that uh, should be playing for a club team, Chris, there, there's a handful of kids at Fairdale right now. Why they're not playing club. I don't, again, well, we do know why they're not playing club, but um, there's a group of them right now that could start for somebody's yeah. 18. You know, I, I think the biggest thing, you know, those kids is there's there's not a club available in that area they would have to go all the way out to the east end for a club that's another issue well the the south someplace yeah yeah um uh, so anyway i mean um i just i just feel like there are coaches all over this state that are busting tail trying to offer their kid because their kids don't have the, the club opportunity. They're trying to offer both to their players. So we can't discount that. That shouldn't be discounted. There are clubs all over the state that are busting tail to pull that off. You got kids that are sacrificing so much families that are sacrificing so much to be able to pull that off. Um, you know, it is possible to do both. Uh, not everybody can win their region championship, obviously. Right. Um, but again, I always told my players that hell, one of my favorite things to say to my kids at Fairdale was always, Hey guys, October is all about, here's what October is all about being able to do then what you couldn't do in July. Right. That sounds, that sounds like develop, a yeah, developmental I mean, philosophy to me, doesn't it? July working for. 
I mean, I, I can't tell you how many conversations I have with kids saying, look, man, if you don't use your left foot, I'm going to give you one more game to use your left foot as striker, right? And if you cut over and try to go with your right, you're you're going to be you're going to be the third striker off the bench. Yeah. I mean, never, you know. Yeah, you're going to be yeah. the, you're going to be the third man in the rotation. Try a new position, you know, just because you play one way in club doesn't mean you can't play this way in high school. Okay, so here's here's the reason we have those arguments, right? And here's what people here's what I need parents and and kids to realize. Your club team, especially on, more so on the high school level. Now, I've, I've got my 2008s right now, and they'll understand this when they're on the, at that high school age. Um, but, you know, if you're an outside fullback, right? One of the arguments I had with Ideen at Fairdale my last year, he wanted to play, um, he wanted to play outside right mid because that's what he played for his club team. And I negotiated with him. I said, okay, uh, but you got to get back and play defense. You got to get back in support, get back in front of the ball. Ideen wouldn't do it. And his argument was, well, that's the fullback's job. Okay. Ideen, your fullback on your Javanon team is probably getting recruited by a college, which means he's pretty good. And guess what? That fullback has a goalkeeper behind him that's probably getting recruited by a college. That's pretty good. You see what I'm saying? So they can get away with Ideen not getting back, or that player. I shouldn't use his name so much. They should uh, – they should be able to get away with their outside right mid getting back and helping, right? But on the high school side, there's a chance that outside fullback is not being recruited, is not good enough to be recruited, does not have the technical ability just yet. And the goalkeeper is somebody that was playing, you know, CDM last uh, the season before. Yeah, definitely. You see what I'm saying? The, con- the contextual factors change from club to high school and um, and just, there's just not enough right now, Chris. And it, you know, uh, the high school coaches have to do a better job explaining that the club coaches have, the clubs have to do a better job explaining that, Um, you know, Hey, here's what to expect. You know, clubs, it's almost like clubs need to have seminars every year saying, Hey guys, here's what you need to expect with your high school season this fall, not in terms of wins and losses, but the kind of conversations you're going to have with your coaches because we want to try and make sure our kids go off. Like now that I'm on the other side, I'm on the club side. I want to make sure, you know, I'll have kids playing middle school soccer this spring, right? I could probably practice all this on them, but I almost want to tell them like, Hey, here's the conversations you're going to see this spring. I want you to have a great experience with your middle school team, right? Hopefully you're balancing both, right? But I want you to go have a great experience. Here's what you need to do in order for that to happen. You know, here's what your coach is going to tell you. And high school coaches need to need to explain that, be able to explain that too. Look, guys, contextual factors on your club team and your high school team are not the same. So, um, it, both can be done. Uh, it just uh, it, that narrative is so false, and I hate false narratives. Um, it's a it's a false freaking narrative that development can't take place on the high school side. And um, and it's quite frankly, it's easy for a coach to claim uh, that their program develops kids when all of their kids are playing club year yeah. round. So that's a nice that's a nice that's a nice cushy seat yeah, on your cooler. For sure. Um, you know, so that's so. What role do you think high school could play in the 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 pathway of a player? Um. I've long maintained 
that there's more of an opportunity to develop leadership skills playing high school than in club. And I need you to hear me out, right? In high school, there's a wide spectrum of talent on each team. Most teams, now you've got your, you've got a, we've got here in Kentucky, I'd say we've got about a dozen to 20 programs where everybody has the same level of ability, right? Uh, But for the most part, you know, you've got kids, you know, you've got teams where you got a good starting 11 and then there's a huge drop off after that. Um, Developed players must learn to work with and make lesser developed players better. That has to happen. College is part of the pathway. Um, If I'm a college coach, I'm taking the time to talk with both the club and high school coach of a recruit. I mean, we got to oh, know definitely. how they'll do in the classroom. You know, all right. That's one thing that just yeah. me as a manager that uh, coach Boyer at Spalding pointed out, you know, you can be here, but you have to have, mm-hmm. you know, get a 3.0 or 4.0, whatever. That's end of the day. That That's more important than you out on the sidelines. He was very firm with that. So. Right. Yeah, right. I mean, again, and so if I'm a college coach and this player is just an absolute stud and he's scoring goals, he or she's scoring goals left and right, you know, uh, and but if I go in and look at their GPA and it's a 2.1, oh. I can't recruit that. I mean, I might try, you know, there might be a couple of exceptions that I might try, but I also know if I'm having to send in assistant coach, uh, assistant coaches every day to make sure that kid's awake and out of bed and going to class. That's not going to last long, you know, that's not going to last long. So, um, and we've got, a, um, um, again, I talked about this in prime too often, Chris, we'll see parents move their players to another team because they want to be on, you know, kids have gotten, and we see this in college. We see this in, in, in professional levels in all sports now all the players are saturating and gravitating to one place. You know why? Because they're fortifying themselves, making sure they can all, they can all group up and carry each other into, um, you know, and avoid losing pretty much. That's what's taking place. Um, you see it again. I'll, you see it with in basketball, you see it in football. Um, I mean, you see it in soccer. You're starting to see it more and more in soccer now. Um, you know, players don't want to be in a position where they've got to teach kids, teach their teammates how to play the game. You know what I mean? And um, and that's and you know, and when when you're not in those positions, you're not going to learn leadership skills. You know. Kids have to, Chris, kids have to be in a put in spots. I'm not, you know, I, I look at my son, right? And my daughter for that matter. I will, I'm going to intentionally put them in situations where they're going to get their teeth kicked in, not physically or literally, but on the, you know, whatever sport they're playing, I want them in situations where they're down by three goals with 10 minutes to go. They're down three or four, nothing at halftime. They'll have plenty of opportunity. Chris, they will have plenty of opportunities to play with teams that, that are that are winning and they're going to they're going to have their opportunities but I also want them to know what it's like to play with kids that aren't as good as them because it's going to teach them leadership skills it's going to teach them patience mm-hmm, for sure you see do you see what i'm saying so and that's something that's lacking right now quite frankly i think that's what's right, that's why there's such a 
you know, there's, that's why we see such a la- lacking of leadership everywhere, you know, in our country, in our society right now. Nobody wants to be put in situations where they have uh, – nobody wants to be in a situation. Everybody – nobody wants to be the only one in that group. Nobody yeah. wants to be the only one that knows how to play, which, we you know, when I was growing up, I didn't have a problem with it. I loved working with kids. I had a, Chris, I had a team when I was in eighth grade, right? We had exactly 11 kids on this team, and we had two teams in our league, right? And it's back home, and I had um, – we had exactly 11. The coach wasn't – I think he knew about soccer. I don't know. I, I still don't know how he got involved with our team. But anyway, um, there was a whole lot of, you know, you know, these kids would get the ball and they'd look for me. They're going to pass the ball to me. Okay, great. I didn't mind that, right? But because of that, we were terrible. Um, and uh, we played a game against the other team in our league. And this was it, my, it was all the kids in my age group that had been playing for years and years. They were all on one team. It was, it was Jordan versus the Monstars, you know. And yes, I said that. And Chris, there was one afternoon, and I'm sounding like I'm going into an Uncle Rico moment. There was one Sunday afternoon we played, and it was pouring down rain, and we got down three nothing. I think I may have told this story. I don't know. We got down three nothing, and I look over. I mean, I look over and I see the coach kicking a bottle on the ground, and I like the guy, and I was like, oh man, coach is bummed out, you know, and. I drew I, I I drew a penalty I drew a penalty kick, right? I kicked the penalty kick in. We're down three to one, and this is all in the second half, by the way. And then, um, and then at some point in the second half, towards like I don't know, ten, twelve, fifteen minutes to go in the game, I'm dribbling the ball down the field, and I saw my shot on goal. I took the shot, drilled it. We're down three to two, and then five minutes to go in the game. Two of the other team's guys are arguing over who's clearing the ball out. I took the opportunity to take the ball right from them both, and I kicked it in the goal. Tie game. We finished the game with a draw, 3-3. I relish that opportunity to be able to do that for my team. And I just feel like now we're seeing a, a lack of players that want to do that. They want to put a whole team on there. They want they want every all the good players surrounding them so they can be carried to a chance, so they can just carry each other, and there's no right. chance of failure. You know, so I don't know if that makes sense or not. I hope it does. Um, it's, you know, it's like what we see with LeBron James every <laughs> offseason. There, Definitely. that should cover it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> All right, keep going. <laughs> no, I'm going to uh, be done with my into, moment now. You know, uh, you a little bit more. Um, do you feel like you've yeah. been taken more seriously as a coach since joining uh, Mockingbird? I mean, I've been able to network more with other coaches. Uh, my strengths have been recognized more since joining the club uh, in a way that weren't being recognized when I was at Fairdale. Uh, but game recognizes game, man. Um, at the end of the day, what gets you taken seriously is the environment, the development, and the winning opportunities as that you provide your players as a coach. My players and their families do take me seriously for those reasons. Um, and it's going to be that way in high school or club, no matter what side I'm on. And that's the way it should be. Uh, I'm not interested. I, I, I really have to question a coach's ability if they're really good with a club team. And then all of a sudden they take over a, a high school team that doesn't have a lot of club players. And all of a sudden their record, you know, they can't win anything. 
Um, I, I really question that coach's passion, to be quite frank. Um, I do think one of the things that's held soccer in America back has been the emphasis on a coach's accent, pedigree, or playing ability. Um, too often, too often we hear a guy that's a former college college player that's got a British accent, and they played for this team and that team for five or six years. They did this and that, but they can't relate to kids or struggled or they struggle to teach the game. And coaches that give their kids great experiences, offer development, and put them in position to win are the ones that need to be invested in. And that hasn't been happening enough. But here at Mockingbird, that's one thing I feel like they do well is they, they invest in I'm not talking about like payment or anything like that. They invest in their coaches. They you know, they, they call if they need you to come run a session, they call you. And I love that. I love being I love getting that phone call. Um and so because right. they recognize okay. what I can uh, offer. Let's get into, you know, the playing styles uh here a little bit. So just what are the differences mm-hmm. uh between the way the game's played on, you know, the club level and the high school level. What I'm seeing so far, and again, when we do club versus high school part two next summer or whatever, um, it might be a completely different answer. But um, that's what's so cool about this topic. It's We can come back. We're going to have sequels to this topic, and it's going to be awesome. But I'll say at the top that if you have the right coach, the game is played the same way. Um, but overall, there's more technical training on the club side. Uh, there's more of an emphasis of building from the back, assuming it's taught the right way, right? Um, on the high school side, there's probably – well, let me go. Let me backtrack, Matt. Assuming it's taught the right way, meaning you understand what your player's strengths are uh, because playing from the back requires a whole lot of communication. It requires a whole lot of thinking ahead, right? Um, it, you got to be in sync. And um, if you try to do it as a coach that and your kids aren't in sync yet, maybe they're – Technical abilities aren't quite where they need to be. Um, you're gonna you're gonna struggle. Uh, but on the high school side, there's probably more kick the ball up and run. Sometimes, not always, right? That happens if a team isn't very technical and has just more athletes or size. And this is one where I bet if we revisit the, this next summer, I'll probably be able to add more to the answer. But that's the best answer. Okay. I can give you so now, far do you think people would have said that about any of your Fairdale teams? You kick the ball and. Well, uh, you know, in 2018, it was we tried to possess more, right? And um, it just wasn't working. And part of the reason, you know, we started off like I think one and two or two and three or something like that. And one of the reasons we had our turnaround was I finally just told the kids. I was like, I I decided as a coach I was going to focus on what I was good at teaching. And that was spreading the ball out and going wide with it, right? And sometimes in possession, when you play, uh, especially when you play an EPL style, you're looking for gaps all through the field, and that requires a lot of decision-making. It requires teams to have played together for a really long time. My kids didn't have that luxury, so it, be- it basically became, okay, guys, we're going we're gonna to go back. We're going to simplify things. Um, let's uh, play the ball down the sideline, and uh, let's play the ball down the sideline. We need a striker to make a diagonal run, and we're going to attack that way. Um, which I, now you can tell me I'm wrong. Okay. You're an EPL fan. I need you to tell me if you think it's wrong, Chris, but, um, again, I don't, you know, when you got to consider technical ability, right. Would you say that that's, I'm going to value your opinion here. Would you say that's a step above 
kicking the ball up and watching a really fast player chase I mean, the yeah. game and go score so. a goal. Um, there's not really okay. Okay, yeah, I'm I'm I'm, I'm, lo- I'm looking for really that validation with kicking the ball. I mean, <laughs> that that that's easy to defend and manage. And if you're just kicking the ball up, I mean, that, that's not really mm-hmm. doing a whole lot. Um, I mean, I get, especially against teams like you know Butler, right. you can handle that really well. So. When you run, correct, correct. Uh, when we were when, again, this was one of the. This was one of the conflicts when I was down at Franklin Simpson. This was one of the struggles that we had. This is one of the internal conflicts we had. You know, for so long they had just they would just kick the ball up over the defense's head and watch a really fast player run onto it and go score. Mostly because they were playing bad teams, right? And uh, when every time they'd run into Bowling Green, Greenwood, or Warren Central, that would get snuffed out. And so I would try and tell everybody, like, look, it's, we, we need to prepare as if every game's a regional game and we're playing one of those three schools. Kicking the ball up and running onto oh. it isn't going to work against them. Let's spread it out. Let's spread the ball out, keep it out of the middle, and let's play the ball to the flag and let's keep the defense spread out because I felt like we had the talent to take teams one-on-one. And, um, well, you know, <laughs> we all know how things turned out. <laughs> but – um that was that was part of my argument. I've always looked for that validation. Is playing to the flag? This is something I would any of our listeners. This is what I hope they uh, a question that you know. This might spark some debate. Is playing to the flag a corner ball to uh, a corner ball? Is that just as I guess basic or quote unquote high school as kicking the ball up the middle and watching somebody a, a fast player with not a lot of skills run onto it and score? You know. I need all of our Definitely, listeners yeah. to chew on that and see what they That'd think. That'd be a good one. Okay. Uh, boy, we got another good one here. Um, you know, there's a lot of people that say, oh, they, they're never going to get to college for high school soccer. You know, club soccer is the only path. Does a player need, you know, club soccer in order to get to that collegiate level? Um, no. But you better believe it helps. Um, one thing that frustrates me about high school are the scheduling limitations, uh, depending on where you coach. And if soccer is a priority to the administration, some teams are going to be allowed. I, I had a conversation with a local coach, um, not too long ago. I said, uh, the furthest they were going to be allowed to go out of the district next year was Bullock County. Yeah. And it just made me want to throw up. <laughs> I mean, and that ain't COVID related either. <laughs> and, um, I just I think you're you're shortchanging your kids, you're shortchanging your coaches, experience and exposure. You know, there's nothing wrong with a team taking a trip to Lexington on a Saturday afternoon to play um, to to get a good matchup in. Um, there's nothing wrong with going driving down to Bowling Green on yeah. a Saturday. We saw, the only thing that's wrong is the money that it's going to cost for a bus. County team, but you know. The- Correct. Right. 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 Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, good call, Chris. Uh, no, not a shot. In, I mean, if I'm that coach, okay, I'm going to go ahead and schedule Central, North, and East all in one season, you know. But we'd like to go further down yeah. 65 than that. You know, that that's one um, of the considerations for and, an all-state um, nomination nowadays. Is yeah, is where you play. If, it's got to be. I'm playing the states, then you know, it's got to be. Here's another thing to think about. If you're a high school team, especially if you're a team that doesn't have the greatest facilities, 
when you go to one of these other programs outside of Jefferson County, out in the state, it gives your kids a chance to play at an incredible and, and a great facility. I mean, I, there's so many here in out in Kentucky that out in the state that I'm just like, they, these are fantastic. You got Marshall County, you got yeah, Madisonville. Uh, these are just the ones I've been to. You got Marshall County, Henderson County's fan. There's three right there um, that are terrific. And um, you want to give your kids opportunities to play in those facilities. So, um, and that needs to, um, that, uh, you know, we need to, we need to offer our kids those opportunities. And uh, I'm worried with wh- whether it's COVID related, whatever, that, um, you know, that's not going to happen for a while. But one thing that's been a pleasant surprise coaching club is the travel within the region, right? So, you know, like this fall, I didn't mind the, the I took some beautiful drives this fall when the leaves were changing over to, uh, I think, uh, Versailles, took one to Nicholasville. Uh, we went to Winchester and I loved it. <laughs> I had no problem making those drives at all. Um, that being said, I'm going to use the two E's again, experience and exposure. A good high school coach can offer their players that if they're willing to play a big time schedule, if you're going to play, if you want to feel big time, if you want to be big time, you got to play a big time schedule. The coaches on that 10 on that schedule tend to be the power brokers in high school soccer, right? If you play the right teams, they've got connections to college coaches. They're on committees to get kids named to the all state teams. But if you don't have a coach making schedules like that, players experience and exposure is limited. Club is always going to offer showcase events, which includes a lot of eyeballs, video cameras, and most of like you were just posting yeah, last yeah, weekend uh, the uh, up at Gra- from Grand Park, it. weren't you? Yeah, right. And so um, it's possible. So it's possible to make a college team without having played club. And I hope not too many coaches are judging players by that factor. I know if I'm ever a college coach, if I ever choose to go that route, um, it's not. I'm not going to be totally hung up on it. Um, but it helps, um, because so, I mean, more experience, what do you think more exposure. Club soccer can, uh, do to bring in talent that's, you know, being overlooked. We've got to build it some bridges with the high school coaches. Um, you don't have to talk X's and O's. You don't have to talk formations. You need addresses. You need names. It's that simple of a conversation. And if every club, if every club, had those conversations with the local high school coaches uh, throughout the country, uh, we'd have more uh, – it, it would have a much more positive impact yeah, sure. on soccer uh, in the U.S. over time. So what have you brought over from, you know, 15 years of high school that has helped you as a, you know, club coach? For the most part. For the most part. Everything that made me successful on the high school side is or will will make me successful on the club side. I think my players' parents and the players themselves have enjoyed my enthusiasm for the team. Uh, when we were up in Indianapolis at Grand Park Labor Day weekend, right, we won our first game in the tournament. And I've one of <laughs> OK, I'm going to say this and I don't mean I'm not uh, I'm not I don't have any particular person in mind. I'm thinking about this. All right. Um but one of my when I was coaching high school and when I had never thought I would coach club, I would one of the stereotypes about club coaches was that they were androids. They you know they didn't have a lot of personality. They didn't show a lot of emotion, right? And um, so 
we won, you know, we scored like within the last minute against this team to win the game. And I'm out in the parking lot afterward and I'm loading up my car and one, uh, a couple of parents pull up and uh, the dad said, you know, they say congratulations and everything. I'm like, Oh, thank you guys. And dad's <laughs> dad looks at me and goes, I saw you pump that fist. I said, yeah, well, what was, uh, you know, I was like, okay. Uh, you know, uh, was I not supposed to? He goes, no, nah, man, I loved it. We never see that. I'm like, okay. You know, so I think there's, uh, I, I think for me personally, individually, I think um, I, there's some, def- there's definitely some things that need to change that I need to work on. And that's always going to be the case, but I can think of two right now that I'm definitely going to be focusing on it focusing on in 2021 to make adjustments. Um, but I'm never, you're never going to not see me throw that fist out when we score that game winning goal. You know, it's just, uh, I'm passionate, no, you know, yeah. I'm, Hey, uh, Jurgen gets away with he it. Ran right on the field last year. Uh, and we love him. Liverpool won and he ended up getting fined for it. It was an excessive celebration. It ran on the field. Mid- <laughs> yeah. Thank God yeah, they don't do that in cages. Well, double been, A. I'd be broke. Been the happiest guy here lately. <laughs> No, no, they they keep drawing everything. There. It's all because of VAR, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's just being rude to, to <laughs> broadcasters that have nothing to do with anything. It's just, I don't know. I don't care much for him uh, any days until he changes his attitude. I'm not going to say anything nice about him. So, <laughs> I think it's time for me to get glasses. Yeah, I'm going to get South them like Jurgen, uh, right? And then with stuff. Debatable. That's it. The younger clop in the south end. That's right. <laughs> Debatable. Okay. Uh, Listen to you. You know, let's yeah. say. That All right. What else you got? Just, you know, make a miracle return to high school next fall. What what lessons from club would you apply uh, when you go back, you know, to coaching high school? It depends on the contextual factors, man. If they match up, then there's a lot of things I can take from club to high school. But otherwise, you know, less is more when it comes to, I guess, depending on where I would go, uh, less is more when it comes to training, especially if these are kids that play club year-round. But if I'm coaching a team that doesn't have a lot of club players and are lacking in technical ability, then there's some ground to cover. So do you only go three days a week, or do you go ahead and go five, four or five days a week I don't think you'll ever see me go five days a week again. Let me say that. Let me make let me make it very clear on that. If I'm ever coaching high school again, is that what you did? You'll never see me in July. You'll never see me go five days Brutal. a week again. I mean, yeah, we did. I get that. We had know, to, Chris. I mean, we had to. Is we that didn't why you any... did it? Or... No, because I mean, my kids didn't. None of my kids play club, and so again, it's that full experience. I got to, you know, we got to develop right. the kids. We got to take the time to develop them, get them in shape. You know, and then hopefully win. And, and by the way, there are too many. Hey, listen, high school kids, a lot of the high school kids, especially here in Jefferson County, they need that. They need soccer. They need whatever sport they're playing. Right. So going five days a week could be borderline an expectation at some school. I don't think I would do it again in the summer just because it, it just, you know, it could trip. It, it could well. It contributes to burnout. It wears out. Number one, depending on you know the, your playing surface, it could wear that out. But also, it just wears on you. It wears on the kids and everything. They need time to let their bodies heal. Um, I think one other thing I would do is I would probably, you know, I think we're allowed to play twenty one on high school. You're allowed to play twenty one games. Um, 
I think well, if I ever go back, I don't think I would do over 16. Because half you know. of that is likely um, to be canceled. Chris, depends <laughs> on where you're at. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, heat index. That, that, it depends that. on where you're at. So, heat index, yeah. yeah. Okay, so 18 with room minute, for two but, games well, to get canceled. Well, you can't be right? But that full... Right, correct. So, 21 games, right? That means you're playing at least one tournament. So that's a, that's a doubleheader on a Saturday, right? Um, and it probably also means you're turning around and playing again on Monday or Tuesday. It's just too much on the kids. And again, I'll go back to 2019, my last year at Fairdale. I burned those boys out, you know. Uh, Daniel Ovalle, right? We burned him out, and. If we have him against Bulletis in the regional game, we probably win. I know it's going to probably win. Check your Twitter now. Um, but uh, um, if we had Daniel, if he didn't get hurt in that game, we probably win. So, um, you know, I'm just not going to burn my kids out um, anymore. Um, 21 games is, if you want to schedule that, be my guest, go for it. But otherwise, I'm going to go 16 quality opponents. Um, we'll, we'll still get that experience and exposure, right. uh, but we're going to get some rest too in time to train. So, um, so that's probably what I would bring over more than at this point, that answer could change when we do this again okay. next summer. So one last question here, um, you know, let's say we do this again in five years. What do you think the debate would be? I think the new one is going to be the new term is going to be development academies, DAs. Um, you'll see, I think, you know, all of a sudden club soccer won't be the, the hot term anymore. It'll be development academy. And I think you're going to, I think you're still going to see kid high school and club sharing players, but your absolute best players, right. That, you know, could potentially be, uh, you know, playing on the professional level. Um, they're going to not be playing development academies will basically be saying, okay, you can come play for us. And we're starting to see it a little bit now. They're going to say, Hey, we want you to come play for us, but that would also mean you'd have to sacrifice playing in high school. And what we have to decide as parents, what we have to decide as coaches, what we have to decide as um, club leaders or development academy leaders, whatever you want to call it, you know, are we going to support these kids to go pursue their dreams? You know, um, you know, what am I going to tell Luke or Ava in 2035 when those conversations start taking place? And it's like, okay, dad, I want, you know, they want me to play. I think I have a chance to make it, but at the same time, that would mean I'd have to sacrifice. Right. Right. And so what we got to figure out is if, if, is if it's going to be worth it or not. So I think that's going to be a lot. That's, that's going to be the very – I think that might be the hottest topic we see yeah. here over the next five years moving forward. Um, you know, we're, we're seeing it here in Louisville uh, with Louisville City and uh, the other clubs uh, around the area that are, are sharing players. You know, who's going to – Louisville City's probably going to become the DA and um, they're going to um, – you know, they're going to they're they're going to have conversations with kids that. Right. Um, All right. Well, this was a, lead to tough to a good discussion here. Um, I, I feel like there's probably could have more we could have done with it, but it, it's good for, for right now, honestly. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And also, you know, I want to touch on Fairdale a little bit. I want to give a shout yep. out to Lloyd Gardner 
uh, before we recorded this, I read an interview that he did with uh, WLKY on the King of Bluegrass tournament, which, um, you know, they're obviously not going to be able to have this year. He said something that really I thought was great. You know, uh, there's just there's more life than a high school basketball tournament. What was that? We have overflowing hospitals with uh, healthcare workers that haven't gotten a break. We've had, you know, restaurants closed down. Basically, the point is that there's just more, you know, two things in high school basketball. And I thought that was great for someone that's put on a tournament for, you know, 39 years now to admit that and to say, hey, we can survive one year without this. So props to him. I don't know if he listens to this, but if, if Caleb does or anybody else, you know, get, uh, send him that message along. Yeah, I appreciate what he said. I bet Lloyd's saying that sounded like this. We this is the first time in thirty nine years. Yeah, we, I, I uh, we haven't done the King it. of the Bluegrass like tournament. Yeah. And uh, Lloyd Lloyd was very supportive of me at, at Fairdale. Um, right. You know, um, we had some spirited discussions, no doubt about it. But uh, Lloyd was, you know, the first time I think it was in two thousand thirteen um, when Lloyd told me I was doing a. Again, I was still a young coach and everything. I guess I am still a young coach. But we just had our first successful season at Fairdale. And uh, when Lloyd told me that uh, uh, <laughs> you're, you're doing a great you, – Jay, you're yeah, doing they, a great job. You got it. Uh, man, that just I, – I, right. I mean, when a guy, when, puts you know, on a the guy biggest that's won a state championship and been a part of three state title teams – They're in. And when he – yeah, when he's impressed with you, that 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 meant something to me. It hit me, man. All the yeah, feels. I was like, oh, he's also doing thanks, something. Um, you know, you know so. you've seen the Fairdale Hallway. Yeah. obviously they hang up the jerseys, right? Uh, each year they've done the King of Bluegrass. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Well, he's this year he's going to hang one that says uh, they have it. Up, uh, they have him up in the gym. Like it's 2020, and then COVID, and then worldwide. So you're going to keep up with that tradition. Which I thought that was pretty cool too. Um, so, hmm. so props to him. I just I thought what he he handled yeah, that well. Yeah. I he agree. could have complained so. and everything else, but he chose to be positive about it and say, well, "Let's just try again next year." So, yeah, Lloyd's a Lloyd's a leader in the basketball community in in Louisville in this area, no no doubt about it. And um, you know, the day the day he's no longer with us, we'll we'll we won't we won't know his impact yeah, I, until the I day also he's heard that no longer with us. So. Room um, there is some of the best yeah. food you can eat for a weekend. Yeah. Uh, supposedly, Coach so Cal likes going in there and getting some of that out. banana pudding. You know? <laughs> yeah. Popcorn, popcorn in the concession stand. That's that's it for me. So, so all right. So, uh, uh, what we got coming up? Uh, next week we're doing a Royal Rumble yeah, episode. Yeah, we're Robin gonna Tyre, unplug a little uh, bit and do a wrestling we'll episode. Am I hearing that right? Yeah. Oh, fantastic! Yes, great, great, fantastic. Uh, let's talk about a uh, little bit, just real quick, about uh, step to the ball soccer training, folks, coaches. If you're listening, I know you're worried about next summer, but if you need if you need me to come and talk to your kids one day, give them pep talk. If you want me to come and run a session, if you want step to the ball soccer training to come and do a camp for your team, let me know now. 
you can always come back to me in May and say, Coach, we don't think it's going to work out this year. We've got this and that and this and this going on. That's fine. Uh, but uh, DM me, email me. I am ready to start booking uh, booking sessions for next summer. Let's get this done. Uh, 2021, I want 2021 to obviously to be a big year for uh, what I'm trying to accomplish, but I, I want to help 2021 be a big Definitely. year for what you're trying to accomplish as well. Yeah. So hit me up. So, all right, Chris. Well, great session. Great talk tonight. And, um, yeah, that was um, a good one. Let's, uh, let's close it out strong. All right. I'll see you. So, all right. Well, have a great.